Well, you'd mentioned that I have this amazing podcast voice. Well, today you may be wondering what's wrong with it. And as I do this episode, which is all about my body is a temple, I'm being honest with you to say I've been suffering with a head cold all week. I stupidly slept with the window open, had a fan on and was naked. Next morning, I just knew it was all going to go downhill. I could feel in my body that it caught a chill. So now you have the raspy, husky voice of Tina Jean delivering my life, not yours. Welcome back, everybody. And as I said, my body is a temple. I was compulsed to do this one today because I'm getting older and this whole head cold this week has really knocked me out for six. I haven't been ill for about seven years, right? So my body really is a temple from that perspective, from what goes in it, the nutriments, the food, that kind of thing. But this has knocked me for six. It's Sunday the 6th of September. I'm a bit late with this podcast, but I wouldn't have been able to do it any other day because the coughing fits, the headaches, everything else, it just wouldn't have allowed for it. So here I am trying to knock this out this morning for you. And um, yeah, I just wanted to really hone in. What does that saying really mean? My body is a temple. And also, as we get older, you know, I'm getting old now, how quickly the body can recover from something like this and the kind of things I put into my body to get me back feeling well. I'm one of those people having been an athlete where you get tested um, for drugs and, and stuff like that. I don't put any shit really in there. Although this week I've had to take paracetamol or, or painkillers and I've just done honey, lemon, ginger, steaming. Yeah, the good old fashioned way. But it's been tough. Right? I'm feeling sorry for myself because no one's looking after me. So, you know, I didn't even have any soup and it's getting to those soup kind of months, isn't it? What does that saying really mean? My body is a temple. According to Google, it means you respect your body, you treat it well. The logic is that you live in your body, so it's your home, it's your bloody temple. But I don't think everybody has that view. I don't think, you know, we see that physically when we look at people, whether it's the food they eat, the fast food, the fast life, drugs, etc. No. And we forget that this is the body that's going to sustain us until we're taken out from this world. And I think that can be a very frightening thought, but it's a realistic one. I'm lucky because I get my oomph from working out. I love working out. And actually, I do like eating well. I told you that I'm pretty much plant-based and I do enjoy vegetables so much. But again, as you get older, it doesn't mean just eating vegetables is going to make me look amazing because I can see bumps, rumps, yeah, rumps, like steak rumps and things that I don't like on my body anymore. Because age is defying it, right? It doesn't pop back how it used to be. So that's kind of scary. And I think that when I was young, and when we were all young, we were carefree. And we just lived. It's when adolescence sets in that you start worrying about that that little hair under your air, um, that little hair under your armpit that's appeared. Or that spot on your face. Or more importantly, which I find quite scary now, especially with young people, is when they start looking at others and using that as their benchmark of how they should look. In my gym, I'm seeing more and more young guys in the gym. 
I mean, I'm talking 16. That's the legal age you can go into a gym in the UK. And some of them look about 12. And you can just see that having muscles and a fit body is really important. Now, I'm talking 16 years old. At 16, you think I have time to be thinking about I'm going to go to the gym. You know, you're doing your school sport and getting on with that. But you're not thinking about going into a gym to enhance that unless you've obviously gone into more of a an elite version of your sport. I mean, I was competing internationally at 16 for netball and athletics. But even then, I wasn't in the gym pushing weights. So I find that quite disturbing. And there's one particular guy in my gym. I think he's a Muslim guy. And um, you would think he wouldn't come in there with anybody else. He looks very sheepish. He's very slim. He's got these bandy little knock knees, very hairy. And he looks about 14. And he's in there all the time. And sometimes you just see him sitting on a machine, just gazing into space. And so you'll be saying to me, but Tina, he probably wants company and he's bored. And nah, you don't come in the gym every day. I mean, he does work out. And I don't know, it's just, I I find it quite sad, really. When we were young, um, the other thing I was going to say is, you know, illnesses, childhood illnesses that people get. And because you can't control what you eat when you're younger, right? You're you're given food by your parents and whether it's sweets. I mean, I was very strict. It, well, not I, but the people who looked after me were very strict. There were certain meal times. So there was never any picking, you know, sweets on a Friday. So they didn't rot the teeth. All that kind of stuff. So I didn't experience what maybe some other kids did where they had biscuits and everything else in between meals. And I always used to remember at secondary school for the packed lunches. I never had packed lunches. I had school dinners. But I always used to be around the girls who had the packed lunches because I used to say, oh, that looks really nice. I want one of those because I hadn't even experienced some of the stuff that they had in their packed lunches and it looked really yummy. So that was really interesting for me. But yeah, you don't have any control because you are controlled of what your parents, your carers or whatever give you. And in some cases, let's let's um, not beat around the bush. There is still a lot of child hunger in one of the richest countries, which is ours today. I can't believe it. So we've got this famous footballer called Marcus Rashford that literally ran a campaign to make sure that every child had a meal Um, especially during COVID, because there's a lot of parents that can't afford to to feed their children, you know, a piece of fruit, maybe a sandwich or something like that. I must admit that sometimes I go into the supermarket and I'm really bad because I look in people's trolleys and see the amount of fast packaged food they're putting in there, which will go in the freezer. And I'm not talking frozen veg, which is fine. I'm talking pasties. I'm talking quiches. I'm talking all that crap that's basically full of shit. Yeah. And, you know, knowledge is power, learning what to eat. And I'm not saying, you know, no carbs, no this, no that. I'm talking about the food that's not been freshly made. And I do get it, right, people, that some people cannot cook, can't cook, won't cook. But if they only realised how much they spend when they buy prepackaged stuff or fast food, I think they'd have a different opinion. Well, or maybe not, because they're still doing it. So anyway, let me get off my soapbox about fast food. I want to know how concerned are you with your own body and what do you do to keep the engine running? And I'm talking from a holistic point of view. I'm talking, do you, as soon as you get ill, run to the doctors, push loads of anti Um, biotics down your neck and tablets that shouldn't really be in there and I think that if you think what I'm saying is gobbledygook think about all the people that have had cancer imagine how powerful those drugs are 
to kill off cancer in the body and imagine what else it's killing off. Now, I'm not saying that if I were to become ill with something as bad as that, that I wouldn't have to take something, but it's quite a scary thought. I've always done homeopathic medicine. Some people say it's shit and it doesn't really work, but I feel a lot happier when homeopathic stuff is going in my body. Just like with me, as you can hear my voice, I've done very natural this week, apart from the neurofen, the painkillers, the paracetamol, because my head felt like someone had punched it, turned it inside out and then gone again. The other thing I wanted to mention is, uh, which really concerns me, is body dysmorphia. Body dysmorphia really is a mental health condition where one worries about their appearance. And it's mainly common in teenagers and young adults. But I think we're seeing it more and more in the upper ages. You feel that your body isn't good enough. And so you start doing things, whether it's anorexia or other bits and pieces, to have that perfect body because you believe what you're seeing in the mirror is something completely different to what everybody else sees. And that's kind of sad too, right? Because mental health is not easy to deal with. And it's funny that I was watching this report the other day, especially during COVID, the amount of young people that have had body dysmorphia. And there was this thing, you know, like I said, with anorexia, and then there's the other one, but I can't think of it at the moment. There's this one where you just eat, you don't, you don't throw up, you just keep eating and eating and eating and eating. Not until you're sick, you just keep going. Until you physically, your body can't take any more in. And this young girl was about 23 years old and she was eating frozen stuff at the freezer. I've never seen anything like this. And I kind of really looked at this and thought, God, we moan about things in life and there's some people go hell. So the other thing I think with body dysmorphia... I don't think it's quite so mental health, though, but it is connected, I believe, in my opinion. You could you could tell me I'm wrong. It's people that have loads of plastic surgery. We've got this, what was she called? Um, a glamour model in the UK called Katie Price. Look her up. This woman has got foals everything, apart from her belly button. <laughs> she looks like a fucking freak. She's got lips as big as my bum she's had her nose done eyes done lifts all over the place so forehead lift and all this kind of stuff I mean it is insane how false and bum lift is the um there's a lot of the uh as I'm gonna be really colorist here the white girls who want the black woman's bottom so let me tell you the black woman's bottom we have usually a very comfortable looking round, squeezable bum. Suddenly, every other culture wants our bum, so they're getting stuff injected into their arse to make it bigger, plumper and rounder. I don't get it. I don't get it. Why would you waste all your money? And then there's the other side of plastic surgery, which I am going to just sort of do the other opposing argument. Somebody may have a bit of a crooked nose and they've always felt that they wanted to get that straightened. I get that. But I'll tell you one thing for now, that we're born with what we're born with. And yes, some of it can be deformed. And so we need to get it fixed. But when we do it for just the pleasure of looking amazing for the wrong reasons, I just I just don't get it. And I'll tell you another thing. I used to go out with this guy and um, he said to me, you know, Tina, have you ever thought about getting any plastic surgery? I said, what for? He said, well, you know, I love big tits and yours are a bit like um, current buns, aren't they? Bit flat, 
cherry on the top's not bad. Well, you don't get a cherry on the top with a current bun, but you get my drift. And I thought, what a feisty, feisty guy. He said to me he'd have paid for me to have my boobs enlarged. And I said to him, so you don't mind then feeling plastic tits? <laughs> what cheek. But yeah, you see, even men, I mean, they do it as well. I'm sure they have plastic surgery, but yeah, he would have paid for me to have my boobs done, people. I also think the impact of social media has a lot on how we view ourselves in terms of our body and how we treat it. Even me, I go onto Instagram and I look at people my age and I think, you look amazing. So why have I had the effects of womanly things that take place in later age affect me more than they have? And then I tell myself, there are three different body types that you all need to be aware of. And you will fall into one of them. You have ectomorph, which is long generally quite tall and slim. You have endomorph, which is round and maybe plumper. And then you have, I've forgotten what ones I've said. I've said ectomorph, long and skinny, endomorph, which is round and plump. And then you have mesomorph. I've remembered it, people. I've remembered it. So mesomorph is more muscle mass. So I've always fallen into the mesomorph category. Endomorph is where you have more body fat, although I've got that as well now. And then the ectomorph. And I think people forget because when I look at my mum, we look exactly the same in body type. Big thighs, you know, smaller boobs. Let's not go on about that. But then you, you look at other people and they may have a totally different body type. So no matter what happens, whether they eat loads, you can't be the same as them in terms of eating habits because they've just got a different body type but we forget to mention that don't we especially to the kids when they're going through all these changes and seeing what they see on social media and I think what was interesting for me a couple of months ago I actually went to a fantastic nutritionist who I may get on here for an interview and what you eat and when you eat it is interesting because it's interesting that a lot of people saw this um, documentary on Seaspiracy on Netflix. And it was all about what is in the sea, the little fishes, that kind of stuff. And would you still eat fish after seeing it? And my nutritionist was also talking to me about it's a westernized approach when people say for breakfast, you should have cereal and you eat at eight o'clock in the morning. She said it doesn't matter. And, and it's interesting because now, because she wants me to get more protein in my body, I will eat a bowl of quinoa, and I've got eggs in there, vegetarian sausages, I've got tomatoes or something like that. Or sometimes I have my dinner from the night before. But my point is, you don't have to have all these things that people are saying that you should have. If your stomach can handle it, you can eat what you want. The only time I think I really boobed up on that was when I was about 16. And it was Christmas morning. And I started off eating salted peanuts well, that didn't go down well. I just threw up all morning. I guess it's a salt and it's a nut, like a peanut. All I'm saying to you is you can be a bit more flexible with what you eat and when you eat it. The only thing I would say to that is I can't eat late at night and have food sitting on my stomach going to bed. It just doesn't sit right with me. In fact, I try to eat before seven o'clock at night, if I'm honest with you. So it gives my, my body chance to digest the food. Another area, vitamins, supplements and whatever else is on the market. And I don't know what the equivalent is in the rest of the world, but I'm just going to tell everybody here who goes to Holland and Barrett in the UK, J 
just don't use their shit. And this is another thing I've learned over the years is the bulking agents and all this kind of stuff inside the pills that you take. And I know Holland and Barrett is cheap and I'm not saying more expensive pills are better, but you need to read the back of the bottle to know what's going on in there. The amount of people, especially older people here that have grown up on this place. I'm thinking the equivalent in America is Dwayne and Reed, maybe. You go in there, they buy loads of packets of vitamins and stuff like that. And they are shit, even the outer covering of a bit of rubbish. So just be mindful of the vitamins and supplements you're putting in, because some of them have got so the percentage of milligram of what you're supposed to be taking is so small. Forget it. Honestly, forget it. Moving on, I want to give a little shout out to the ladies. As we age, our body really does need to become our temple. And yet, you know, when you're married or you're in a relationship, you have your kids and everything's just hunky-dory, it might not be your thing to think about it. But I want you to think about if you do want to do some training, then think about weight training as well as going for those runs, walks and cycles because bone density is massive in women. We need to keep our bones strong. Example, you go out, you fall down and go over on your arm. It's more likely to snap just easily than when you were when you're younger. To help counteract that, you need to do some weight training. And luckily for me, I love it. I guess if you don't like it, I'm not quite sure what you can do, but um, you can do body weight exercises. We need to keep our bones really strong. And it's really funny that I used to be a wicked skater, right, on roller skates, not blades. I used to do four wheels. And a couple of friends that keep saying, come out, come skating. And I'll be honest with you, I think the reason why I haven't gone is because I'm so scared about falling over on my wrist and snapping my wrist or something. And so if I do go out, I'm going to look a bit like Robocop. Pads on the knees, elbows and all that kind of shit, when actually it should look really cool and I won't. <laughs> but I'm, I'm scared about falling over. I'm scared about falling over. And they say, once you start being scared of something then it's likely to happen. So I need to maybe lose that ideal. But I guess my point is there are exercise benefits. Weight training for women, especially menopausal women, you need to adjust your training as necessary. What used to go before where you do, you know, an hour in the gym, you're doing some heavy cardio and all this kind of stuff, ain't going to work anymore. You need to listen to your body. Remember, this is your house that you're living in, your own flesh and blood. So now I don't feel guilty. I still train five, six days a week, but it might go something like this. If I've done a heavy session in the gym on Sunday because I go with my mate, then Monday is definitely going to be something like yoga. So I can just stretch, get into my head and just stretch those muscles out. And trust me, after this cold, it's funny, my friend said to me today, you come into the gym. And I just said, look, I haven't even walked this week, much less bloody go in the gym. So I'm going to go out for a nice walk today, listen to some podcasts and take some fresh air. So then if I do that on a Monday, I may do some high intensity training on a Tuesday that lasts maybe about 40 minutes. And that can be with weights or it can be with body weight. I really like bloody, I really like body weight training now. And then Wednesday, so I do a different body part. I might do arms on the Wednesday, legs on the Thursday. I might do some cardio. I love kickboxing. Or I might go out for a power walk and a run. So you can see how I'm changing it up. And you just have to really listen to the body. But there's a lot of weight training that goes into mine. And I think what helps me get through that is my mindfulness. I'm living in the moment with acceptance. And I do a lot of mindfulness meditation, which, you know, just involves me sitting quietly and paying attention to my thoughts, the sounds, the sensations and the breathing that I'm doing. 
it sounds really weird, but if <sighs> you get my drift, you calm down that breathing. And I listen to other parts of the body. Like I'm telling you now, I'm sitting here doing this podcast and my lower legs are aching. I think I went into full blown flu, if I'm honest with you, because for me to have something for five days and my body aches, something's not right. But I'm trying to bring back the attention through my mindfulness meditation to what my body is asking for. And right now it's saying, you haven't really taken any time off to rest. I also started, interestingly, a friend said to me, oh, you know, Tina, you started with a new client in the last week. Is it a bit of stress that's been added on? She may be right, because stress comes out in all kinds of ways. So it started off with a head cold, gone into full-blown flu, and the stress of maybe doing, and the excitement of doing a new job is brought it out even more because I was still working every day this week and looking at screens when you've got a headache is 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 not good and sneezing and coughing and stuff like that so we need to recognize and especially as we get older because we don't recover so this is a short and sweet kind of podcast to say your body is your temple please please people take care of it listen to your body this is my thought for the day and treat it with respect It may not want to go out for a run and do a marathon. It may just want to just be still. Be kind to yourself. Rest when needed. You need your body to survive. Until next time, take care. 